0: coming up on art palace
1: i think it speaks to today you know science done in darkness or like non-transparent i mean it's important that there's transparency you know the algorithms that rule our lives are done in secret you don't know google's algorithm
0: Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's cool person is Christopher Holland, professor at University of Cincinnati. This episode was recorded live on September six, two 2018, as part of our Moving Images film program. Mary Shelley's novel, Frankenstein, celebrated its 200th birthday this year. And Chris joined me on stage for this conversation after a screening of the 1931 film adaptation starring Boris Karloff. All right, so thank you uh, for sticking with us. Um, and so I'm, I'm here with uh, Christopher Holland from University of Cincinnati. Um, and specifically uh, DAP, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's
1: your full title, exactly? Uh, I have a couple titles. I'm an <laughs> associate professor at DAP in the School of Art, and then I'm the director of licensure for art education. Okay,
0: and so the reason I actually invited you is because I uh, one of my colleagues, was uh, I think, had you in class and, and, and mentioned that you've regularly used uh, the novel Frankenstein mm-hmm. as a teaching source, mm-hmm. and so I kind of was curious what your how you got into Frankenstein and like where that started for you personally.
1: Yeah, I think um, I read it in high school. Like I think some people have to read it and I didn't really appreciate it. Yeah. And then I had to read it in a a college course um, that was about how uh, source material was adapted to film. Okay. And I kind of liked it then, but I still wasn't into it. It was only when I studied philosophy and someone's like, oh, it's like a super deep philosophical novel that I reread it and said, yeah, that's when I got into it. so I used to use it when I taught at Indiana University, Intro to Philosophy, mm-hmm. and we would use it to talk about Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the Enlightenment, and things like that. So we, we, we kind of pulled themes out of it from that. And since I got into the University of Cincinnati, I use it for a class called Philosophy of Technology. Okay. So we talk about um, what technology is, how it's influenced you know, Western culture for a long time, and It's a very sort of technologically forward-thinking novel, if you think about what's in it. You know, bioengineering, life sciences, um, and even some sort of social science in there about society being good. Are you innately evil? Are you innately good? There's a lot of deep themes in it at all angles, yeah.
0: Yeah, actually, so I I reread the book uh, before this, and I'd read it probably 10 years ago, and it it had been a while, um, but I, I realized when i first read it i thought oh this is you know everybody is so much more familiar with i feel like the film adaptation of it that that has shaped the public consciousness of what frankenstein is mm-hmm. right and so this core this boris karloff version of the monster is the sort of in everyone's mind what frankenstein is and then when you read the novel you're like what is going on mm-hmm. the monster when he starts when you finally he starts talking. You know, first I'm like, "Wait, he talks! Like mm-hmm. he he speaks!" And then he's he's like so eloquent and and you know talking about reading Paradise Lost, mm-hmm. and you're just like, "This does not. This is not what I expected at all. It's such a, a departure, or the movie is such a departure, mm-hmm. really, from the source material."
1: Yeah, I think I'm I'm curious who's read the novel. So, I mean, your initial reactions are probably the same as ours. Like, wow, they totally changed the plot. I mean, they, they went after sort of the cheap laugh and the cheap gag with American cinema. I mean, but for me, the most fundamental thing is, is the monster in the novel is, is sort of innately good, and he's corrupted by society. Yes. Or here, they switch it so he gets the bad brain, so he's innately bad, and society corrects him or something like that. I think that's a huge philosophical difference the author was trying to say in the novel, which is... He was, she was uh, a student of Rousseau who said famously, you know, we're born good. It's society that makes us bad. And there's in, a bunch of incidents in the novel where the, the monster encounters, you know... I mean, obviously, he looks different and he's yeah. scary, but it's society that sort of gets him, you know, sort of angry versus... Here, where he's sort of got the criminal brain, and he's already mad, or something like
0: that. Yeah, having uh, just read the novel and then watching this, that was the one of the first things that popped out to me was that scene with the brain, and how much is is put on the like normal brain, <laughs> abnormal brain, and like yeah. we keep going forth, and that idea of like that's all it is is just this this one thing, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's a lot simpler than in than what happens in the novel where. Mm. He, he kind of goes through a whole, you know, that scene or where he's describing watching the family, which kind of becomes, in, in the movie we just watched, the sort of very quick scene with Maria, um, that that he, he goes through basically the evolution of all of man, it kind of feels mm-hmm. like. Um, yes. It's like he's going through all of society up to the present um, and then is basically, you know, when they see him and, and are, you know, prejudiced against him by his looks, basically, mm-hmm. and can't, you know, trust him, um, that's sort of where he he turns. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I had that same exact thought while watching this, that, like, that just switching into this very, like, binary, abnormal, normal mm-hmm. is just way less complicated, definitely.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think, too, it's relevant for today. I think a, a debate in our society is, is are you innately bad, right? We sort of make the individual be responsible for their failings. Or is it society, right? The, the sort of constructions around you that influence you from a young age to adolescence to adulthood, is that what makes you perform bad acts or something yeah. like that? I think our society deals with that even today. So for a 200-year-old novel or a piece of fiction, it's really like a novella. It's like pre-novel even. It's letters and things. Um, I think it's a deep question that we're still wrestling with, you know, nature versus nurture, things like that. Like, how does that affect everything, you know? So um, I teach art education, so a lot of what we talk about is that question. How, how do you create an environment for someone to succeed or not? And in a novel, that's really important because the monster just wants, like, someone to teach him. He wants a father. He eventually wants a, a wife and things. But I think that's a key element um, that's missing from the film, but also one that we, str- we struggle with in today's world.
0: yeah. Well, that's another idea when you kind of brought up the idea of art education. I'm sure this might be mm. a reason you you use the the novel as another idea that comes up a lot more, I feel like, in the, the novel is the idea of the monster as his creation mm. and the way that kind of relates to art and the art we maybe put out in the world and the things yeah. we make and then the consequences that mm-hmm. has. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There's, so, that's, a, that's a, a big concept I feel like that goes on in the novel too.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's a really, it's not just art, it's, it's all of art, science, it's things, you know. We, we, I think we've created st- tons of chemicals. We don't even know what they actually do to the environment. If you're following the recent controversy of Monsanto and Roundup, right? I mean, was that studied long enough to figure out? What was, so, someone created something and sort of said, just put it in the environment. Artists do that all the time. Maybe they'll create something controversial. they create something what they think is beautiful and put it out there, and then, you know, consequences happen. And then this city, you know, had, you know, the Maplethorpe incident, I would put it that way, a long time ago where, you know, people didn't like the content of the art, but the artist liked it. And it's sort of all these scenes reverberate in different sort of domains of thinking and, and action, um, which I think is really interesting. I think that's why the novel just survives. I mean, it's... 200 years is a long time to keep, yeah. and it it seems as you, you just read it, but it, every time I, I go through it, it just, the, the, the themes just keep being relevant, more relevant. Um, as our science becomes more and more sort of godlike, we're able to create different things that we couldn't create before, not just, you know, a Frankenstein's monster, but genetic engineering, you know, you can, you've all seen dystopian sort of novels or things where in the future we'll create people how we want them, things like that. So in a sense, Dr. Frankenstein is us. You know? yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Oh, I should mention, I, I didn't. I totally didn't explain why I put this painting up behind oh, us, Oh, yeah, <laughs> Lucerne. So, uh, yeah, Lake Lucerne. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons I, I just picked this is because another thing that's sort of different in the novel is the novel... Uh, Really, it was kind of a globe-trotting, or at least Europe-trotting mm-hmm. uh, uh, journey. Like it, it kind of hops all over the place, but a big chunk of it uh, takes place in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Um, here in the movie, it's all very kind of Bavarian feeling, <laughs> and and it's 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 much more condensed down. But mm-hmm. so much of it is uh, takes place. Uh, I think more Lake Geneva than Lake Lucerne. But um, you know, there's a lot of descriptions of. Dr. Frankenstein on his boat out mm-hmm. in the the lake, and the description of these mountains looming around the lake, and that's another thing is this kind of romantic ideas of nature mm-hmm. that come up so much in the novel yeah. that you, you're really missing in the movie as well, because you know it's it's so much more meditative. I mean, mm-hmm. you you describe the 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 way it's written through letters as mm-hmm. well. I mean. I don't really envy anyone the task of turning that novel into a movie because yeah. it's really a big challenge. Like, It's not an easy thing to turn into a movie. They're doing very different things.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's that mood of nature, again, I would argue that's from Rousseau, who was very yeah. into nature. Um, has anyone been to Lucerne or Switzerland in the winter? <laughs> right? Summer? Yeah. I mean, it is an interesting place to go um, and, and just experience. Um, in the summer, it's nice to get all the glacial melt so you have all this nice, you know, turquoise water, and it's all happy. But it is sort of depressing in the winter, you know, storms and things, of the mountains. Um, but yeah, I think the nature theme is hard to capture with film. Um, it's so much part of the sort of innate, innate part of the novel, especially in the Arctic at the end, because the monster in the novel is sort of like better than human, so he's got like better muscle structure, he's yeah. got a, a smarter, he's got a, a brain of a scientist or something, I can't remember exactly. So he's sort of like in the next iteration, really. He's not sort of like the failings, right. body parts scavenged. He's sort of like in, a, in a, uh, an adaptation or a sort of enhancement. So he can run faster, jump higher, he's smarter. I mean, all these things are part of it and so he can survive harsher climates. So I think that's that sort of natural part is really important in the novel, too, that's missing from this particular adaptation.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, definitely a big part of him being able to survive the cold and mm-hmm. that kind of, which sort of bookends the novels of being in the Arctic yeah. uh, and him kind of just being able to survive in that. And that idea of the better than human mm-hmm. is another thing I uh, thought about when comparing these two is, is I think both the movie and uh, the novel have had really big ripples, uh, effects on Mm -hmm. pop culture in in big ways but I think the movie has obviously affected the horror genre Mm -hmm. really strongly and I think it's not too hard to draw a lot of comparisons between Frankenstein and zombies Mm -hmm.
2: um,
0: and the undead. Um, There's a lot more focus in the film on his corpse nature Mm -hmm. even though that's true in the novel but it's just Mm -hmm. not really dwelled upon as Mm -hmm. much Mm -hmm. Um, whereas the, the novel as I was reading it recently I was like Oh, this is like Westworld. It's like mm-hmm. uh, it's Blade Runner. It's mm-hmm. it's really more about the the like you're saying above human, the, mm-hmm. the cyborg or something that is. And again, the idea is much more about Frankenstein has created this thing, mm-hmm. and that's much more of the idea than just the horror of like a an ugly, stupid thing. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I I call it like a sophisticated horror. So you, you don't know like are the bad guys. The society are the bad guys. You know, you are the reader. I mean, you're you're in this like convoluted sort of interesting horror. It's not as simple as the novel adaptation. That's why I think Westworld's a good kind of connection there. And any movie that's sort of you know questions like, wait a minute, am I am I am I part of the problem here? Am I would I encounter the monster and be mean to him, or would I would I be kind? Like you think oh, I'll be kind to this. If you saw that, you'd be scared too, and you might throw rocks at that right. at that. Um, the wretch, as they call it in the novel, but I think you know, we use the word posthuman sometimes okay. to describe, you know, um, what's going to happen as we begin to enhance our own bodies. With what's going to begin to happen when we are able to sort of get, you know, special glasses to see different sort of spectrum of light and things, and that's sort of part of the novel. They didn't talk about it in terms of like robots, right? <laughs> um, but it's it's more biological, which I think is really interesting. Back to the nature theme, it's it's very. Um, I don't know, there's not like lightning and stuff, but there's like, no. there's like tanks, kind of like uh, a female womb comparison, like he's birthed in a tank. Yeah. Like it's, it's got a bit more, I think, of a biological horror, mm. which I think is maybe more scary because it, it's creeping up on our own society with the way we're beginning to sort of, um, I don't know, splice our genes, gene therapies. So there's a plus to it, which is medical you know, advancement, and then there's this sort of unknown which i think is what the novel tries to sort of raise at the, at the one on the one hand it's great to create something on the other hand what happens without like the proper reflection and thinking about your creation
0: yeah there's so many things when you just brought up the lightning there's so many things that are iconic and if mm-hmm. i think probably a lot of people are like me that you've experienced the your understanding of frankenstein first through its movie or Really, more accurately, it's parodies. Mm-hmm. Like, and so you know, talking about these adaptations, it's like so many levels. I mean, I think I probably understood more about the the movie Frankenstein before I'd ever seen it mm-hmm. because I had seen it parodied and mimicked and so many other things. Even as I was watching it right now, I was just like. Oh, it's like in Rocky Horror. Like, yeah, I was yeah, sitting there, yeah. like, thinking about all these other things that are like, oh, I, I never thought about, like, the whip scene. I was just like, oh, it's just like when Frankenfurter comes and whips Rocky. <laughs> um, and uh, so, uh, you know, you're used to seeing all of that, but then you're, when you read the book, you're kind of shocked by all the things that aren't there. You're mm-hmm. like, wait, there's no, there's no, hear Fritz in our mind it's Igor even though that happens much later there's no lightning Mm -hmm. even the that's another big thing about just sort of how they spend time differently Mm -hmm. I think it's really shocking to read the book and realize that like the creation of the monster and the birthing of the monster is like that yeah It's just, it happens, and you're almost like, wait, did I miss something? Mm -hmm. You're like, are there there pages missing in my book? Because you're used to imagining this big drawn-out thing with the lightning and all of that, and then it's just kind of very much like, yeah, I made the monster, Mm -hmm. and then the monster's gone. Like, almost immediately, the Mm -hmm. monster disappears, and then... So it's totally a different...
1: um, uh,
0: pacing and and sense of like the narrative in in that sense as well.
1: Yeah, I I think the author, Mary Shelley, did a brilliant thing not trying to describe with some sort of contemporary scientific process. She sort of just has it happen. So 200 years later, it's the black box. We can imagine how it happens with our current ideas of how things could be, I don't know, created like that. And then the second thing, yeah, the pacing, I think in the novel is really interesting because there's this like dread, all the time because the monster disappears, yeah. but then it appears at certain points. I don't want to give it away for those who haven't read it, but it's, that's a huge part of this tension that it's, it's, it's there but not there. And I think that was also brilliant by the, by the author to sort of create this horror tension of like, is it going to come? At any time, it could just be there, right? And I think that's really missing from the film adaptation. There's an element of that in the house at the end mm. where he strangles... Um, the bride to be I forgot Elizabeth. Elizabeth sorry yeah and um but the whole novel is like deep with this dread um which I think is really important and it, it's hard to capture in film maybe
0: yeah there's although I mean I can imagine there's so many scenes that in the book that stick out to me of like of him seeing the figure just in the lightning yeah, flash yeah. and stuff that are do feel really cinematic be, mm-hmm. even though it's pre-cinema mm-hmm. um, to mm-hmm. me, but you, you can imagine how that could translate really well. I mean, mm-hmm. have you ever, have you, I'm assuming you probably have watched basically
1: every adaptation of this? I've episode? watched quite a bit, yeah. My favorite was the Robert De Niro one. Yeah, I the Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, one. that was as close as I think they, they kind of got to the novel. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there's just, I mean, I I don't know, I lost count. There's like 20-something, I think, maybe more Well, over uh, the years of just...
0: As I was sitting yeah. here, I, I realized too when the credits came up, too, it says adapted from a play. Mm-hmm. So the, the version we just watched is not the first film version mm-hmm. of Frankenstein either. And then it's adapted from a stage version, mm-hmm. which I think that's another thing when you watch an old movie like this, it becomes really clear like, oh yeah, like there is that sense of it's still very much like watching a play that's yeah. filmed. Yeah. Um, especially in the way, like, what it becomes immediately obvious too is like, there's no music. You know, there's no score. Um, it's just as if you were sitting in a theater, and like every moment is not scored for you.
1: Yeah, I think that's really cool. I mean, so so much of current contemporary cin- cinemas is so manipulated with the audio, and to have that sort of still have an element. I mean, granted, like someone mentioned the sort of ragdoll effects, but <laughs> I think given the technology at the time, it still has a bit of horror in it that you know audience find interesting even today.
0: I think there's so many things that look really, really great in it, too, mm-hmm. like
1: when I was watching it, I mean especially
0: I, I I kind of like that artifice of seeing those painted backdrops and mm-hmm. things, but I mean those scenes, especially at the end during the chase, I think are beautiful mm-hmm. and and the shot of the windmill like mm-hmm. again you know on fire, all of that is like really beautifully shot, so I mean, I can understand having to translate that novel into film you're kind of you are looking for more stuff to happen, probably. Mm-hmm. And, and the novel just is, is so much in uh, Frankenstein's head mm-hmm. and then the monster's head, and, and it's all about thought. So I can understand sort of uh, distilling it down to something yeah. that's a little more like, okay, this, we need things to happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of like um, Dune, the novel Dune, another sci-fi novel that's very cerebral and you hear the thoughts of everybody every time someone's tried to yeah. adapt that. It's been an interesting love-hate yeah. love, hate thing. Um, I think the same thing with Frankenstein. I mean, it's, um, yeah, there's so much in it that's just, you know, you get reading that you can't can't just sort of put on film or else we'd be here for six hours watching this slowly paced thing unravel where this guy's like, I don't know, talking about his thoughts or something. <laughs> I mean, and then the, the other conditions of the film, it has, you know, the commercial conditions. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you know, get people to want to see it. So I think there's a lot that, translating the novel to, to Hollywood, so to speak. You, you just have to make compromises. And yeah. That's what we have, you know. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the classic, you know, neck, neck, neck things, that's really funny, I think. I <laughs> just seeing it, Boris, with that on is really cool. You know? <laughs>
0: um, well, we can open it up, see if uh, anyone yeah. else has any questions so you guys can
2: join the conversation.
0: But I think I had a question down here first and then I'll come back to you, okay?
2: was the movie set, uh, did it try to depict Germany of the 1920s and 30s or Germany of the 1800s? Because I was a little confused by the costumes and so forth.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Yeah, that is something that I I was reading is is really weird and and is kind of like this alternate almost universe where the costuming is very 1930s but then like the technology and everything feels like kind of more 19th century and 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 especially when we get to that scene with the bavarian mm-hmm. <laughs> villagers and everything feels a lot older so it is a really strange sense of of time yeah
2: my other question was rather than that um the may, the creators of the movie kind of went for the the cheaper or easier route of creating the monster like that Um, Perhaps they they were actually changed it to reflect the scientific thinking of that day because as I understand it in the late 1800s, early 1900s, there was the thinking that criminals were born that way and there was a lot of eugenics and you could identify who would be a criminal by their appearance, you know, their ugliness, things like that. And so um, perhaps they changed the script uh, from... Uh, uh, projecting of society causing a monster to be bad to reflect the scientific thinking that he's got a damaged brain, a criminal brain.
1: Yeah. What yeah, you... I would agree with that 100%. I that, that was trying to allude to that earlier, right, with the idea that, you know, if you, are we born good? How does that right. develop? I think that's definitely true of the time. It's eugenics, behaviorism, they're all sort of coming to the fruition in the early 20th century. Right. Yeah.
3: I think the most startling thing I saw during the movie was I kept going, expecting putting on the Ritz at some point, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and when I saw the abnormal, I kept thinking Abby normal. So, But, um, you know, and it's been years since I read Frankenstein, but, you know, I, in the back of my head, it was just like this massive worldwide revenge fantasy. It seemed yeah. like that, you know, the, the 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 creator had no responsibility to his creation, and his creation exacted this horrendous you know removal of everything that this guy's life had. Mm-hmm. I don't know what what's your feeling about it as far as you know revenge responsibility. To the creator, I think there's yeah. some things that are kind of going on with Westworld and some of the other things that are similar. But I'd like to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think one element we didn't talk about is sort of this there's a religious undertone versus sort of a scientific undertone. And in, when the novel was written in 1818 or 1816, roughly, um, that was huge, right? The Enlightenment is coming into fruition. All these scientific discoveries are sort of undercutting the narrative of the you know Christian world. Um, and one of the big ones is that, you know, the creator. If if, there, if we're saying there's no creator, then we're on our own, right? So I think that's a huge element of it. And then the revenge is also really interesting because it's, it's it's sort of very sophisticated revenge. It's not sort of random. And I think that's what the, the sort of terror or the tension of the novel that's really good and hard to capture is. So it just shows how the, the monster is actually a very um, intelligent, not super being, but you know he's able to sort of understand what's going to hit Dr. Frankenstein. Because remember, in the, he really wants him to create a, a mate, right? Because he feels like he's just alone. There's no one else like me. I'm, I'm the next generation, I'm the next iteration of human beingness. So actually in the novel, he starts to do it. And then I won't give it away, but it doesn't end up working out. And then it's even more revenge. It gets even more. So he still has, even though he's beyond human, he still has some certain human traits, you know, like, um, and maybe revenge is one of the, the bad ones he keeps, but it's it's also enhanced. He can't just jump higher and think longer or whatever, but Even his revenge is enhanced, in a sense. So I think all that's at play in the novel, and it's really uh, just a a, a great read, to reread even, especially given today's sort of ideas about science and our developments about um, genetic engineering and things like that.
3: Also, as far as a film adaptation, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen Penny Dreadful before.
1: I, I haven't okay yeah.
3: the depiction of the monster and the relationship to frankenstein is probably the best i've ever seen oh I'll have so yeah it's it's worth the you know there's worth all the werewolves and everything else to go. Yeah. Through, it's good <laughs>
1: thanks
4: the the, uh, the film adaptation mm-hmm. the only thing i ever found that was uh, similar was the uh, the title uh it has nothing to do with the book the book doesn't illustrate anything in this mm-hmm. you have to take this in a historical context 1931 mm-hmm. you're at the uh, height of the depression the country is going down to tubes and mm-hmm. people are looking for a pure escapism. Mm-hmm. And this filled the bill. This mm-hmm. and Lemley and Universal, which were going out of business until these films hit a, mm-hmm. a niche with the public and brought people into the theaters for, to purely get away from their lives. And that's mm-hmm. what this is. And I think to, to try to have this even begin to explain the novel is, is, is not a fair connection at all. Uh, this was pure escapism. This and, and a whole genre of uh, universal uh, horror movies that came after this, those uh, those those lifted those people out of their daily uh, depression. want to say? One thing I, I would say for your students here, I think you, as a professor and an educator, you have a responsibility to uh, to uh, to have them work through the dangers and pitfalls. Uh, for those of you who are are contemplating uh, grave robbing as a uh, career choice. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
5: um, so I just kind of have a comment about the film adaptation, especially this whole preconceived notion of whether he's a criminal or not with mm-hmm. his brain. I still feel that the director put societal norms on him because immediately the, Uh, He was was good. He sat. He listened. Mm -hmm. He just didn't like fire. He was just trying to survive. And the doctor was just like, oh, you stole a criminal brain. Mm
4: -hmm. So they
5: started treating him differently. They started whipping him. They started chaining him up. And I feel like they created the monster still, even in the film version. Like, it wasn't him. And Mm -hmm. he just didn't understand. And I think that's really, like, what the true monster was, is the misunderstanding of what was going on. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, as a future educator, I mean, we, everybody is recoverable no matter what. I mean, we can always work and work with people. We shouldn't prejudge them because they're like, labeled criminal brains. That's a really astute catch, Ryan.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that was something else I, I, I wasn't bringing up earlier, but I think is a fair thing to bring up about the director is Also, I think knowing that he was gay, and mm-hmm. bringing in that I mean, as I'm as a gay man watching it, I'm Thank constantly you. going like, "Oh, Frankenstein, <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein is like very queer-coded to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of scenes where he's, you know, that scene where he's talking, I think, with his professor about like like, haven't you ever wanted to do something crazy or something? And I yeah. was like, this is For sure. so gay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and you know, the idea of the abnormal brain, mm-hmm. and again, talking about the sort of, you know, the, the word homosexual is was created as a pathology, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so it comes, again, from that time of putting people mm-hmm. in those kind of boxes where you're not just a person who commits a crime, mm-hmm. you are a person who, you're a kleptomaniac, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. You, ha- you are, that is a part of your identity now. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's another um, thing that I do think is really interesting to read the movie. Um, and again, like, when I'm making that comparison with Rocky Horror, I'm like, well, that's where it's coming. I mean, obviously, yeah. like, it's there's so many things that the monster that you've created, and, and you know, when the monster's destroyed, he gets happily married, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, That
5: actually makes me think of another point I was going to have, what the other person said about, uh, I think of the time Frankenstein didn't have any responsibility for his creation. Is that a reflection on like, um, you know, our ideas of like that we're not responsible for the things we create, like the atom bomb and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So that is a good comment that... Yeah, I felt like Frankenstein didn't get in any trouble because he was really the one who murdered people because he's created the monster.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah you could make that... connection. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think so. And he
0: asked, just because it wasn't on mic, uh, yeah. whether the crowd understood that Frankenstein had created the monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really unclear whether they do understand that. And I kind of had the same thought you did. I shouldn't be talking on two mics. Um <laughs> but the idea of of that responsibility did seem a little odd like when frankenstein is in the angry mob it's like wait yeah, a wait. minute yeah you don't get to be there yeah. <laughs> you don't get to be in the angry torch mob
1: <laughs> yeah I, th- I think it speaks to today you know science done in darkness or like non-transparent you know so things we're creating in labs all over the world i mean it's important that there's transparency You know, even like artificial intelligence, you know, a lot of the the leaders of of that science want it out in the open. You know, the algorithms that rule our lives are done in secret. You don't know Google's algorithm. I mean, it has a parallel to, you know, genetic engineering. If it's done in, you know, crazy windmills in the middle of the Alps, who knows what's going to happen? But if it's done in the light of day at a university where people can, you know, see if the ethical responsibilities are there with the research, I think that's important too. So, yeah, responsibility on us, or me as a person at an institution, a university is, you know, important for transparency, but also I think just morally, ethically, things like that. Um, but back to the pathology, homosexuality, it's funny too that they use shock therapy, right? That was a therapy yeah. to cure this sort of, you know, ab- abnormality that they labeled in, you know, complete sort of eugenics kind of bonk science era. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of the, now that you said that, I'm like, yeah, you're right. There's a way to watch this with a really interesting lens that I think even makes the film maybe more interesting to us today than it might have been you know, before uh, you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. Are there any other questions or comments? Oh, one back here.
6: I just uh, wanted to see uh, what you guys thought about the impact of the visual, some of the visual things in this movie as far as the art and you know just some of the things you see in it are so iconic that you're mm-hmm. still seeing those types of things today in a lot of horror films and and art and imagery
2: mm-hmm.
6: you know like the the way the the cemetery looks at mm-hmm. the beginning and you've got like the the skeleton with the sword you know, like the, like you wouldn't see that imagery in an actual cemetery, <laughs> but you see it all the time in in horror films. And just you know, the torch mob. We we're mm. still seeing things like that. And just mm. you know, the way the, the 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 dungeon type sets look, and the windmill and everything. Like if if you remember the movie Van Helsing, um, they did the whole flaming. Uh, windmill at the end of that and I just I I think the impact of the visuals of a lot of the universal films were so influential and we're still seeing that today so I just kind of wanted to know what your thoughts were.
1: No, Yeah I think it's very true like uh, I think we're at a point too where like it's it's cool and clever to subvert those you know you know go-to imaging or go-to tropes of of horror films or any any type of film genre and I think um, yeah, it's just part of the history of film, and, you know, and it comes from plays and stage sets, and it's just, yeah, it's very interesting to trace all that imagery back. Um, and then in art, it's really interesting, too, because a lot of the imagery comes from medieval art or Gothic art, things like that, you know, horror.
0: Yeah, when I was watching it, especially the cemetery scene at the beginning, I, I, I picked up on that look, too, which, to me, had a lot of inspiration from earlier sort of German expressionist mm-hmm. silent films.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that was, like, the big thing. I kind of noticed, like, oh, they're, they're obviously all of the diagonals mm-hmm. in the movie, mm-hmm. really diagonal heavy. Um, that's one of the things I love about the laboratory set is, like, mm-hmm. it's like there's no right angles mm-hmm. anywhere. It's all weird angles, like, mm-hmm. that beautiful shot of... Dr. Frankenstein looking down from that window and that just weird like it's overhang. Like, yeah. like it's so bizarre. The architecture of it almost mm-hmm. is like doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to like when you try to figure out like how does this even it's hard to even get a grasp on it, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Um so yeah, I think you're 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 spot on. And you know, one of the things too, I think we're we're talking about how the monster in this version of the monster has become the public consciousness version of the monster. And I think part of it is on the strength of its design, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, like it looks so good. And I think that's something the novel doesn't really spend a lot of time describing. I mean, Mm -hmm. it doesn't give us like a really great, good image. Um, But I mean, there's a lot of, I feel like horror adaptations that I, you know, movies are visual and books are are not. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's common for the movie adaptation to have to figure out like, well, we have to show something, so we better make it look really interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember reading uh, *The Shining* and going like, "It was the same thing. Like, where's the twins? Where's the, the mm-hmm. hedge maze? Like, all of the things I love from *The Shining* are not really in it." Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where I feel like Kubrick's vision and adaptation of that is, is to me, more interesting than mm-hmm. reading the the source novel, um, just because the imagery is so uh, so evocative and and also he doesn't really explain any of it. He just lets it be mysterious. So he'll take some things from the book and then just never explain it. So we have another comment, and this might need to be our last one for the evening. Uh,
3: just, a, a, just a question. I don't know, it may be something in trivia I can probably look up on Google, but um, there, there was a Spanish version of Dracula in 1931. I don't yeah. know if there was ever a Spanish version of Frankenstein, was there? I don't know. Okay, but it, it, it actually had different actors. They actually, the Dracula one actually had the same sets, mm-hmm. except they did it at nighttime and it was a completely different cast. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because the sexuality of that particular film, when you see it between the Bella Lugosi one, mm-hmm. it's completely different. The pacing's mm-hmm. different. It's, 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 it's almost like a completely different film. So if you get a chance, keep an eye out for that one. Okay. But I don't know if there's a Frankenstein version. I kind of doubt it, though.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but it, it isn't uh, worth uh, noting, just kind of t- discussing the sexuality and things, that this movie is pre-Hollywood code, too, so they were getting away with some stuff in this movie that would not have flown just a few years later. Mm. So a lot of people, you know, were pretty horrified by the the lake drowning scene and... Um, even I, I read the line where he says, now I know what it feels you know, to be God, was pretty okay. controversial, um, and that probably would not have been allowed uh, years later. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight yeah, in this thanks. conversation, and thank you all for, for coming. Yep, <clears throat> Thank you for listening to Art Palace. We hope you'll be inspired to come visit the Cincinnati Art Museum and have conversations about the art yourself. General admission to the museum is always free and we also offer free parking. The special exhibition on view right now is Collecting Calligraphy, Arts of the Islamic World. If you've ever wanted to improve your drawing skills, sign up for our studio class on drawing. It meets Thursday evenings in the month of October and is open to people of all ages and abilities. For program reservations and more information, visit cincinnatiartmuseum.org. You can follow the museum on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and also join our Art Palace Facebook group. Our theme song is Offrande Musicale by Bacalau. And like always, please rate and review us. It really helps others find the show. I'm Russell Irig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum.